But for ages, I'd been praying to God for reality in the Christian life. God reminded me of where I came from. God reminded me of where he brought me from. And I remember being in this, this crypt and as prostitute coming over with a cup to me, an orange cup, and laid it down beside me. And I turned it round and on it said, reality. And I looked around and I saw all these people. You should have been dead. He says, Jesus Christ saved my life. This man here prayed for me. Jesus Christ has come into my life. He's changed me. He's made me a new creature, he said. I'm just telling you what he said. And he said, no medicine did it. Jesus Christ did it. Believe it or not, I love Dave. Um, and I, I just believe that I just believe that God could change people. And Dave was no different than me. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> I suppose, uh, you know, without God's hand on me, I would have been the same. I heard a commotion, and I went out, and uh, these guys were taking two shotguns out of the back of their out the boot. So they chased this guy, they stripped him naked. So he all he had was a pair of boxer shorts. Lying there, and I was in and out of consciousness. And uh, the, the, the doctor came over, really don't know what's happening, Mrs. Park. You might lose your husband. The biggest lesson in my life has been that God is there all the time. Even when I don't think he is. You've mentioned to me there were times where you'd pack your bags in first year and you were like, nah, I'm off, I'm leaving. Um, tell us a little bit about, tell us a, tell us a story about, about that. Well, there was one day I just felt so wick, so bad that I just, I felt as thick as two short ones. And I said, right, that's it, I'm off. What's the point of me being here? Um, so I packed my bags. Everybody was in lectures. I, I packed my bags. I wasn't in lecture. And there were 60-odd people, so they wouldn't miss me. So I packed my bags, got my bags down to the front desk. And lo and behold, a guy called Michael Waddell would be standing there. I did it, I can't remember, at least three or four times. And um, this time, uh, I just looked at him and he said, come on, let's go and have a cup of tea. So we sat with a cup of tea. And uh, he said, what, what, what's wrong? And I told him. And he says, ah, oh, just let's have a cup of tea, let's have a chat. And the more I chatted, the more he spoke me out of leaving. Mm, every time. Every time. And every time it was Michael Waddell. Mm. And every time he got me up to my room and to, to put out my, my thing, and he would stay with me for the whole day. He was an amazing lad. Mm. Um, he took time out for me. Mm. Um, and a lot of people took a lot of time out for me. Mm. Um, I, you know, speaking English was a big thing. I remember going, I was there for a couple of months, I think, and they were moving mattresses up the stairs. And... Um, I was at one end and there was another guy at the other end and a guy passed me and I says, far did you put this things in? <laughs> and he just looked at me and he said, just to translate for <laughs> those, uh, it's where do you put these things, man? Yeah. yeah I know that because um, 
I wouldn't have known that, but I know it because yeah. I've had a translator myself uh, <laughs> for the language. So there you go. Yeah. So he just looked at me and, and and so to speak English was a big thing. And, and your English is class, mate, honestly. Well, mate, you're my dad. Your well, English is class. Thank you very much. Uh, one, one tries one's best. One I does. don't hear your Scottish accent. So uh-huh. Everyone hears it. I just think you just sound really English all the time. Yes. And it's such a it's such a better better, <laughs> better language. A better. It's, a, it's just it's just so much better. Right, Scottish. Calvin, move on, please. <laughs> I am Scottish. Um, <laughs> yeah, but Bible college, yeah, Bible college can be well. I went to Bible college, and it's hard, isn't it? Yeah. And at times you feel. Even though you've got loads of Christians and people there in the same boat, yeah. you sort of sometimes feel very alone yeah. and a bit inadequate. Yeah. And I remember being there and thinking, what am I doing here? And what am I doing here? This isn't me. This yeah, and you weren't thick. Well, well, you know. No, you weren't. I went to uni in York St. John, so I couldn't have been thick. Um, yeah, but you came out with a one, <laughs> didn't you? Huh? You came out with a one. Yeah, but... Mind you, it was a sports degree. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I threw a beanbag a couple of times. Um, but yeah, I remember going to Bible college and thinking, you know, feeling really alone at times and thinking, what am I, what on earth am I doing here? Um, and I think it's... The biggest thing I learned at Bible College wasn't necessarily all the teaching, and which was brilliant and great, but it was how how you had to rely on God for everything. And yeah. I think that's the case just in life in general. But yeah. for us, it was at Bible College, wasn't it? Yeah. That's where I've sort of learned you've got to rely on God for everything. And also having a closer walk with him and seeing that he is with you every step of the way. Yeah. I remember walking out of my um, room for the first week there uh, and just thinking, what am I? What am I doing here? And thinking, God, where are you in all this? Um, maybe you felt like that as well. I definitely did. And I remember looking around the college and seeing these mm. stupid pictures on the walls, old-fashioned wooden pictures, and thinking to myself, "Blimey, it's like stepping back into the 15th century." Some of these pictures, but thank goodness that they did have them up there because there was one that I, when I walked out of my room, I felt really alone. I thought, I just wanna, I just wanna pack up and go. Um, and I remember. For you, it was a, a man who spoke to you. For me, it was a stupid picture on a wall. And every time I walked out of my room, it said this sign, I am continually with thee, mm. in English, old English. Yeah. I am continually with thee. I am continually with you, wherever you go. Every time I walked out of that room, wherever I was going, I was a reminder that God was always with me. Yeah. Um, I know it sounds pretty trivial, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a learning curve, isn't it, to rely on God rather than, uh, relying upon yourself well i think it's, it's it's those god moments where god speaks to you and mm. and it's an individual thing he speaks to you he doesn't speak to anybody else that way he speaks to you mm-hmm. and it's something that that you look back on and you can see you know and and it's tangible mm. i i know i know that you know for, for one of the things that bible coach was that that my fees were paid mm. you know that that was that was a big thing because i was an independent guy who who had money and I did have money. I mean, I spent it on drink, but I did have money. Um, to to just go to Bible college and have no money, mm. and and for two years, uh, this money turning up, um, for me to buy books, for me to buy clothes, for me to buy food on a Saturday, to pay my fees for both years, it was incredible. Mm. Where it came from, uh, there's lots of money that I do not know where mm. it came from. And I think all those things also confirm and affirm your belief that God is real. Oh, absolutely. That God is there. I remember I went to Bible college with a hundred pounds to my name, hundred pounds, and I think it was 
10, 10 or 11 grand had to be paid off over two mm. years. Didn't ask anyone for money because you weren't necessarily allowed to do that. Yeah. And it got paid off. Yeah. I even remember, it's so pathetic, but right down to the last thing, they were all going out bowling, right? They're all going out bowling mm. and going to McDonald's. And I didn't have enough money in the bank to go bowling and going to McDonald's, which yeah. is crazy to think about it. Um, And... Yeah, I just remember thinking, oh, I can't tell them I've not got any money. That's just embarrassing. Again, independent. Mm. You don't want to ask people for money. Yeah. Um, and I just remember going to a lad called Peter in his room and being like, look, I can't go to bowling. I, I've not got the money. I've not got the money to go. And he said, I oh, know I'll pay for you. And I'm like, nah, you ain't paying for me. Like, you're not paying for me. And I remember moving, talk, talking to him about it and opening up to him about it and we prayed together. And I remember going down to uh, the down to the kitchen and the kitchen is where your... Um, post post boxes and you go down the kitchen your post box is there and i remember thinking oh i'll just go. i haven't checked my post in a while i'll go and check this is literally straight after the conversation so peter didn't have any time to go down mm. and put money in and i remember getting there and pulling the the box it's something so small the box out and there was 20 pounds to cover the bowling and to cover the mcdonald's to cover it to the pound yeah. and i thought to myself something so small and insignificant as going bowling and going to mcdonald's that yeah. god cares about yeah. And I remember, uh, I know I'm going on a rant here, but I think it's I think it's good to hear the, the difference that God makes in your life and how he looks after you and protects you. I remember coming home from Bible college in the first year, I think you can remember this, and me saying that I didn't want to go back and I was fed up of it. I didn't want to go, just for lots of reasons. Um, and then the, the day after saying that to you, getting an email in the morning, I think, can you remember this? My mum probably remembers it more. Getting an email in the morning that someone had transferred, who I'd never oh, yeah. met before, n- no idea who this person was, never met before, I'd never met him since, um, who had transferred a thousand pounds over towards my fees, yeah. and I was like, oh, that means I've got, no-. and it's horrible to think, not not a thank you, not yeah. a oh thank you God, a, oh okay, I better go back go. then, yeah. yeah. And then I remember going back, opening up my box, and there was about eight hundred pounds yeah. in my box that had been sent to me, thinking. Yeah. What on earth is going on here? Mm. Um, it just shows God's faithfulness in, yeah. uh, in it all. I, I I know I know it's maybe a lot of stories, but there's one story that, I, I'll, I'll t- well, that's not to do with Bible college, but this is to do mm. with go for it. Um, me and you, uh, when you were kids, mm-hmm. so I was married by this time and they had three three kids, and uh, we were over in Northern Ireland, and um, someone had paid for us to go over to Northern Ireland. Uh, with the three kids to pay for the car and everything, so that was all paid, um, but we had no money, and um, I, I had gone to the bank to uh, put my card in, and it come out saying there was no money, and uh, so I went back to y- Yvette and the kids. We were out for the day, and the kids had nothing to eat, and um, I felt really bad. I felt really weak, and I just said to Yvette, "I says, what's the point of this? Uh, what's all this Christianity lark that we can't even feed?" can't even go out and have a meal with our kids. Mm. And um, she said, well, why don't you pray? And I said, I said, right, okay, I'll pray. And I put my hand up like this and I went, Lord, you need to supply. And 20 pounds went into my hand. And I run around. Now, it obviously blew into my hand. It didn't appear in my hand. blew into my hand. I run around looking to find the person who had lost their 20 pounds to give it back to them. And there was no one around. Mm. There was no one around. And I was going around with us. And Yvette said to me, she said, what are you doing? She says, well, I'm looking for the money. Didn't you just pray for that? <laughs> yeah, but I can't take somebody else's money. She says, 
the Lord gave it to you. Mm. So the so the Lord, and, and that's what, it's the only time it's ever happened. It's only happened mm-hmm. once. I mean, I wish it would happen every five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's when you needed it. It's wasn't when it? I need, and and yeah. it's also not just when I needed it, but when I needed confirmation that God was there. Yeah, and I think that's a good segue to, um, sort of moving towards God using you to for new hope, for going to, you know, use your past and use what had happened to you and and use your um, experiences of addictions to then help people be free from their addictions through, um, yeah, through coming to know Christ, through um, through that sort of stuff. So let's segue to that. So you've got married, right? Let's let's talk about that. <laughs> I did, I got married. Yeah, um, you got I, married. I met, I, met, I met Yvette in Bible College, a long story. So I'll just My lovely mother. Oh, what a woman. I, I, what a I'll woman. cut that short. Um, I... I I met her in college. In fact, I, I met a wine-coloured skirt going down the corridor. <laughs> and um, the Lord gave me that sense that she was going to be my wife. Mm. It took a while for her to realise that she was going to be my wife. Um, but um, we got married a year after we left college. And um, we had three kids. So Calvin, our oldest one's Naomi. It's me, by the way. Um, Re- <laughs> Rebecca and, and, and Calvin. Yeah. Um, we... We're married. We both came from the same kind of background, not really knowing how to look after kids, not really knowing how to l- bring up a family. Mm. Um, God brought us into contact with a, a couple called Hugo and Hazel, who who really helped us, uh, helped us amazingly to to how to look after our kids, how to be loving and caring, and how that the Scripture shows you how to bring up your kids and the fear and the admonition of God, and that's what we try to do. Um, um, so, so God helped us and God brought people into our lives to help us. Um, and, um, we, we left the mission after a while, uh, and went to work for a Baptist church in Somerset, um, a place called Gillingham in Dorset, actually. I worked there for seven years mm. as, as a sort of assistant working, doing evangelism and children's work and youth work. And then we're called up to Leeds. Um, God very clearly showed us that we needed to leave to go up to Leeds and we worked there for two years with an organisation called Leeds City Mission Uh, how I got involved with an organisation called Fresh Start um, which was really an outreach to to people with addictions and um, not that I ever wanted to do that because I'd left that, I didn't Mm. want anything to do with it um, but God showed me that this was the right thing to do. Mm. Um, the organisation approached me to to come. Uh, I loved it. For the minute I was in it, I absolutely loved it. Um, there was a guy who was leading it. It was a bit of a maverick. It would never have started without him. Um, and the church wanted someone to bring it on from where it was. And the uh, um, Lord helped me to, to, to do that. Uh, working with people uh, from all kinds of backgrounds, um, working with people with addictions of alcohol, drugs, sex, um, all sorts of stuff. Mm. Um, we had people who, who cross-dressed. We had people who were um, uh, gay, lesbian, um, who came to us and who found, who, who found acceptance, mm. who found love, um, in Christ, and um, we 
we were given the gift and by God to to have that, to run it, mm. to change it, to to develop it, um, and to to run that ministry for seventeen years, seventeen, eighteen years in in the middle of Leeds. And God not only, I think it's a good reminder, isn't it? That and uh, yeah, good for people who may not have, who may not know what Christianity is about, and may not know who God is. Um, but God doesn't just save and leave you. God saves and has a plan for you yeah. and a purpose for you. Uh, not for necessarily for you to have glory, but for Him yeah. to have glory, which Absolutely. which we find joy and yeah. joy in. And that's that was your purpose for twenty years. So that twenty years. So that was your yeah. plan with with Mum, wasn't it? Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, He's using your past and your experiences to help other people find the freedom that you found. Yeah, but it wasn't something that I wanted to do. Something Yvette always wanted to do something like that. Yeah. I didn't. I I I I had become a Christian. Uh, I'd become middle class mm-hmm. because that's what happens. You, you get a, the thing you call is a gospel left, so you get taken out of the mud, yeah, and 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 up, and you think you've arrived, and that's what I thought. I thought become um I'm now a Christian. I'm I've arrived. I'm a middle class person now, and I've got a car. I've got a house. I've got everything I need. I don't you know, but but God reminded me of where I came from. God reminded me of where he brought me from. Mm. And he brought me into that. I remember sitting in the crypt in Leeds. Maybe a lot of people will know the crypt in Leeds, St. George's Crypt. It's a Church of England church, isn't it? They yes. have got a, yeah, like a program which help homeless people and addicts right. to, um, yeah, to be free from, primarily to be free from their addiction, yeah. but to also, yeah, meet, yeah. meet God and, yeah. yeah. We were uh, myself and another guy were asked to come, and 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 just to share the gospel. So we would do a a, a little meeting, a, a little ten minute meeting, at the end of the night, and most people would come to it voluntarily. And um, I I I remember, um, sitting there in this meeting. This was before New uh, New Hope, uh, before the ministry that we were doing, and I'd be sitting there and I'd be looking at these people, and thinking, what on earth am I doing here? But for ages, I'd been praying to God for reality in my Christian life. Because I th- you become middle class, as it were, and you think, oh, well, I'm, I'm okay. And you start to drift a little bit in your Christianity. And, and all I wanted was reality in my Christian life. Mm. And I, I was praying and praying and praying, asking God, give me reality in my Christian life. This mediocre, mediocre, I can't even say the word. Mediocre. That's that mediocre life. coming through again. <laughs> and and, and I, I prayed. And I remember being in this, this crypt and as prostitute coming over with a cup to me, an orange cup, and laid it down beside me. And I turned it round and on it said, Reality. And I looked around and I saw all these people mm. and I said, thank you, Lord. Because he brought me back to where I was and he showed me the people that he wanted me to minister to. Yeah. And, and and that was, boom, <laughs> you know, yeah. a reality. That was the heart that God gave you yeah, for yeah. those people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what I really appreciate, and I think what Becky and Naomi appreciate as well, my sisters, is 
that you didn't just, and that's really hard, but you didn't just do that ministry as you and mum, but you within the boundaries involved us in it and allowed us to see reality. You know, we weren't brought up with cotton wool over our eyes um, or wrapped in bubble wrap. We saw reality and we saw the reality of what alcohol and drugs and uh, poor decisions, but also what, you know, a lot of these people have been abused and they've been used and we saw reality and we saw not just their lives, but we saw their lives changed through what Jesus can do in their lives. And we saw that firsthand. And I think that's one thing that I really appreciate to see and, and have assurance to know that God is real. You know, we can sit there and sometimes think, oh, this is some, sometimes I can sit there and think, what on earth do I believe here? This is bonkers. But when you strip it back and look and see people's lives changed and transformed and to see it in such a real way was something i think we definitely appreciate uh yeah. being brought up on um so yeah that's just a little rambling on there yeah but i think i i think that's good i think that me, me uh me and your mom had decided early on that we, we we didn't want you to get involved in it we we didn't want you um to be tainted, as it were, it's 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 mad, but but we looked at it and we said, right, that there there is possibility of mm-hmm. our kids getting um, uh, HIV, uh, AIDS, um, abuse, hepatitis C, abuse, all that kind of things, and we said we can't. But slowly and surely, God said, no, no, mm. they need to see this. So we decided to put you in the kitchen um, and we would uh, allow you to be in the kitchen and uh, allow you to see what was going on. Mm. And uh, um, I remember we took some people into our house and um, we were a bit stupid at that time. It was just early on. We, we had a guy called John Anderson um, and, and John came into our house. He's a lovely guy. Um, and he got very, very close to use. And um, we made a big mistake in doing that because um, that really hurt the kids because he he made a profession of faith and he blew it and he blew it big time and um, that really hurt the kids. So so we had to be careful. We were careful in what we did. Mm. We were careful in how far we allowed you to be involved in it. Um, but we wanted you to see it. After a while, we realized you need to see this. Mm-hmm. You need to see God at work. You need to see the reality that God works in people's lives mm. and that that Christianity isn't all about middle class and uh, being in church, but Christianity is about being in the coal face, as it were. Being real. And working out your Christianity and the, yeah. the hustle and bustle of life. Uh, tell us what New Hope looks like very quickly. Um you know, what What was the program? What did you do during the week? What would your sort of, I know this is a very silly question because it always changes, but what would your normal week look like when you got it established? Our normal week was chaos. <laughs> um, Because they had chaotic lives. Yeah. People that we ministered had chaotic lives. So so what we tried to do is we tried to put a structure. Um, so so the first thing we did was we closed new uh, Fresh Start Dying and renamed it, rebranded it, Um, came up with our... Uh, what are we about? So we 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 had a strap line as it were, compassion enabling freedom from addiction, um and 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 we came up with that pretty quickly because that's what we were at, were about, compassion 
enabling freedom from addiction. Mm. And we we started working with the lads. Um, it was a Sunday afternoon where they would come in. We would have a service. We would have a meal. Uh, and then from that, we would ask them to come on what we called a program. But the only reason why we called it a program is because everybody else did programs. Um, but it was nothing to do with a program. It was Bible studies, really. Um, but we did do life skills. We did social skills. We went out for days. Mm-hmm. We got them to plan a day out. Uh, it was quite funny sometimes. Um, I remember going to Scarborough, <laughs> going to like the um, Flamingo Land. Flamingo oh, Land. What a place to be! <laughs> Flamingo Land with all these like New Hope guys. Yeah. It was it was brilliant. Anyway, yeah. sorry, come on. Yeah, well, we we did different things like that. We got them to plan it. We got them to decide where to go, uh, plan it, budget it, what we were going to spend our money on, how much we were going to spend, because all that was to do with budget and mm-hmm. their money. All that was to make them think. Here is the benefits of having money. You can do some of the things that you want. If you stop drugs, you'll have that money. Mm-hmm. You stop drinking, you'll have that money. You can do things that you really want to do. So we started to develop all those things. And then as we developed those things, we, we had developed the Bible studies that we had. Um, Mum had a, a, a thing that she did was, was fighting giants. And the giants in people's lives of low self-esteem, hatred of self. Um, how do you deal with all those things? Mm. And so we, 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 we did the fighting giants, um, Joshua, going into the, the, the promised land, how he fought all the giants. And so, so we, worked, we worked through that. Uh, we did an a AA sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we weren't AA. Alcoholics Anonymous. An Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. Um, but we dealt with, dealt with issues. We did Freedom, Freedom to Christ, mm-hmm. uh, Anderson's book. A lot of people don't like that, but actually it really helped them. And mm-hmm. um, we did it in a, con- a controlled way. Um, so my understanding of it is on, on the Sunday was sort of the the day where you'd have people drop in. So you'd have... Like a fishing pool. Yeah, like a fishing pool, yeah. Uh, or a pond. Uh, on, a <laughs> on a Sunday, you would have... Uh, the church would be in the morning, and then you would have like a little service for the lads. Uh, and it'd be very different to... Uh, service that you would have as like a normal church wouldn't you you would be preaching very openly and talking about things i remember you talking about things very vividly um you told me stories recently very vividly and um you do that with them and they just fire questions back at you Um, it was interactive yeah interactive interactive. and then you would like provide some food for them uh, afterwards and then you chat with them blah 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 blah, do that and then the week would be where there would be those who are serious about coming off their addictions they would come during the week and you would be a christian program a bible study program with life skills so that's essentially what it what it looks like isn't it yeah um did it work yeah well we we developed it over time. We had different groups that came on it. Our first group was not the same as our last group. Mm-hmm. Our first group was was they they wanted to work. They thought work was that. So we 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 developed it around that. So we had an allotment. A long story about that, but we had an allotment, mm. and um, that was developed. The guys went up and dug and dug and dug. That was good fun. That was fun it was that. it was great fun for them. They loved it. And they planted things, they saw things grow. And we were able to speak about weeds and about sin, about all that kind of stuff. It was it was quite amazing, really. Um, other groups wanted to do uh, crafts. Other groups wanted to do cooking lessons. So we, we, we listened to them and developed the, the program around the group that we had at that time. Mm. 
Um, we had people from Northern Ireland who were sent over from Northern Ireland who got caught up in the Troubles, who were involved in paramilitaries, who got involved in drugs. Um, they couldn't cope in Northern Ireland, so they would send them over to us. Mm. And we developed a, a, a way of helping them. Mm. Um, so, so there was lots of different things, lots of different ways that we developed it. Um, and, 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 and it grew from really just a Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. And the people that came were, you know, addicts to alcohol and drugs and gambling and lots of, lots of different complex issues. Um, and a lot of them were from sort of abuse, weren't they? From backgrounds where they were abused, uh, and stuff like that. Um, how did the Bible and um, the Christian faith impact some of the people's lives? Um, did you see a massive change in uh, a lot of people's lives, or were there mixed results, or were they? Um, tell us a little bit about the uh, the people uh, who you reached with um, the gospel. I think it took about um, about seven years before we we had the first person who we would say became a Christian. And, and not just become a Christian, but be free from their addiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so, so Tom, mm. um, we we met. Uh, actually, what happened was I got a phone call uh, from this guy who said um, that he had heard that we do computer courses. Now, at that time, we did do computer courses. Um, that was a part of our English and everything like that. Mm. And um, learning English, learning maths and so on. So. And um, he wanted to come on and do computer course, and I says, uh, "No, no, we just we're, we're not really about that. We're about it." And he says, "Yeah, he says that that's the reason why I'm phoning." And I said, "Oh, right. Can I come and see you?" Um, he says, "Yeah." He says, "If you can can stand the smell, you come." So I went right, okay. I'd been to tons of places, tons of bed sets, and tons of flats, um, but we went into this. I went into this flat as bed set. And I would say it was the worst one in the 18 years that I was there. Uh, bed was all soiled. Um, no carpet, just mess all over. Had a toilet um, that was in the room that had a crack in the bottom of it. Um, and it was stinking. The place was. Thankfully, I don't have a, a sense of smell, so I can be anywhere. I have no sense of smell. Um, but I have. I was told that the place stank. Um, and Tom was there. He was yellow. His eyes were yellow, and I mean yellow. And um, he, he looked at me and he says, uh, my doctor has told me I've got a few weeks to live. I've got uh, cirrhosis of the liver. I'm dying. What can you do for me? And I said, nothing. I can't do anything, but I know somebody who can. Who's that? He said, Jesus Christ. And I said, I'd like to pray for you. I said, I'm not promising you anything. One thing I will promise you, I'll be here for you. That's all I can do. And I'll pray for you. So I prayed for him and I asked Jesus to come into his life, for Jesus to change him, Jesus to save his life. And um, as I was praying, I opened my eye and looked and I saw a rat coming out of the toilet, a crack of the toilet, missing about in 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 his little flat. I'm like, what on earth am I? <laughs> Reality. <laughs> Reality. And uh, I left him. He started coming onto the course. Uh, he struggled to get there, to be honest, struggled to walk. But um, 
one day he asked Jesus into his life. Uh, simple. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, well, I'm going to give this a try, he said, so I can do nothing else. I suppose it's my last chance. And so he did, and lo and behold, God changed him. Mm. Um, the yellow went. Um, he lived longer than a few months, and um, a transformed life, totally transformed. Mm. Um, and he said, he said to me, he says, uh, he says, Alistair, he says, I want to go to the doctor, and I want you to come to the doctor with me. Said, yeah, no problem. So I went to the doctor, and the guy looked at him. He said, Tom, you're alive. He says, you're not yellow. You should have been dead. He says, Jesus Christ saved my life. This man here prayed for me. Jesus Christ has come into my life. He's changed me. He's made me a new creature, he said. He's telling you what he said. And he said, no medicine did it. Jesus Christ did it. Mm. And the guy said, well, I can't argue with that. And Tom came out. He was chuffed. Tom, Tom was amazing. He, he, he played the saxophone. So he went into church. He, he, he went from New Hope into the church, played the saxophone, brilliant saxophone player. Mm. Painting. He, he was a brilliant painter. He actually had paintings in the Leeds Gallery. Mm. Um, transformed life, amazing. Very talented man. Very talented man, but wasted yeah. because of alcohol, mm-hmm. and then God changed him. Yeah. He was about 40, 50, mm. and God changed him. And that was one of many good experiences in your work uh, in your work with addicts uh, and an amazing transformation and there was lots of people um uh, not not as not as massive as a transformation as that but still a transformation still Jesus changing lives but there's also um difficult times weren't there in the in the ministry hard times times where you faced yeah a lot of reality as you say um you told me stories of Oh, I've seen it really. There was one Sunday evening, there was a man from New Hope when I was a young lad uh, who was over the fence, a guy called Dave with his dog and asked dad to come out uh, to to come and, yeah, I want to speak to your dad and I think you told him off for having something he wasn't supposed to have and he came with his dog to confront you and to potentially attack you and Two Rottweilers. beat you up or whatever. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that was the... And there was a lot more stories which I didn't see, but that's what I saw, and that frightened me and Becky and uh, and Naomi. Um, and he jumped over the fence, and we ran into the car, and he had his um, chain chain swinging his chain around. But we, I can remember just watching you from the back, crying my eyes out, but just watching you and seeing the calmness that you had with this man, uh, who is waving his chain in front of you, and you being really calm, um. Where did you get that from? Was that from you, or was that God that well helped you with it? Believe it or not, believe it or not, I love Dave. Mm. Um, and I, I just believe that I just believe that God could change people. Mm. And Dave was no different than me. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> I suppose uh, 
you know, without God's hand on me, I would have been the same. Mm. So I think that was a, that's something that I knew. But but also um, I'd been working with these guys for years and knew that mm. I couldn't show weakness. Um, but I also had to show love. Mm-hmm. But that was taught by God. God taught me that. And God kept me style. God kept me... Um, I could have run. If I had run, he would have helped me. Um, but I had to stand still. And I had to wait until he made his move. And then I had to take the chain from him and protect Ham. And that's what was on my mind all the time. Mm. I need to protect Ham. doesn't know what he's doing. It comes back to that slogan, doesn't it? The new hope. Compassion. Compassion. Having love for... For those people, yeah. um, you also mentioned um, stories where there's a car that flew in with two people getting out with shotguns. Yeah. Um, tell us a couple of those stories. They're always fun to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't fun at the time. Um, we had an electric gate that would close as soon as a car came in. It would close, and it was broken this day. And um, the the car came in. I I. Uh, I, I, that day I wasn't in. I wasn't in charge that day, if I can remember right. When? Uh, yeah, probably Wayne yeah. was in charge that day, and um, I came. I heard a commotion, and I went out, and uh, these guys were taking two shotguns out of the back of their out of the boot, and they were coming towards the the church, and uh, I went out and I said, "What are you guys doing?" Like an idiot, what are you doing? Well, and said the guy's name, and they said we're, we're, he's taken money from us. We're drug dealers, and we're we're gonna shoot him. So you're not gonna shoot him here. You're gonna stop us. He says, "Yeah, if I have to." He says, "You're not touching these people." Um. So, put your guns back in your car and go. And that's what happened. Hmm. They went. I mean, there was another time when, um, I, 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 this is going to sound racist, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and where we came from, um, most of the people who were drug dealers were the Asian sort of Asian. Yeah, they we had control in that yeah, yeah. region. Yeah. So, so it would come in from Bradford, come into Leeds, and and then go out from there. Um, so the heroin was taken in, and and very often the guys what they would do is they would take their heroin and put it into their um, sock so that no one knew what it was but the Asian guy would so the Asian guy would sell them it and then get their money and some of them would try and get the heroin back to sell it again mm-hmm. so they chased this guy they stripped him naked so he all he had was a pair of boxer shorts and he was coming down and to, to, to New Hope and the gate was open and I was I was coming out and I seen this and I've seen all these Asian guys with baseball bats and big pieces of wood. They were gonna, they were gonna do her man. And I just went, I just went, you ain't going any further, guys. You're not coming in here. And they stopped. They just stopped. And I looked at him and I thought, what on earth am I doing here? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I heard all these people shouting at the back of me, and these were all the guys coming out of New Hope. Because the guy who was strapped naked had gone and told them what was happening, and I found out later that they had said he had said, "You better come out because they're out there, and Alistair's trying to stop them beating me up." So they all came out, 
and I was trying to hold them back from beating them up, and somehow God obviously sorted it out, and mm. the Asians went, and the guys went back into the to the thing. So, mm. so the the guys protected me a lot, you know. Mm. But again, it's drawn from compassion, isn't it? Compassion yeah. to to protect those people, not just to help them. Um, to yeah, to see not just to see them become Christians, but you loved them and you had a deep love for them because mm. that's where you could have ended up or you came from. Yeah, and and that's a truth, but I do think that that's a God given love. Mm. It's not it's not just natural mm-hmm. uh, because I didn't want anything to do with that. Mm. I wanted out of it, mm-hmm. but. But God really did give me an event mm. a love for them, and mm. yeah. and I remember I remember seeing that love very clearly, in lots of ways. I remember Mum washing a, a lady's hair and washing a lady who was was just in a real state, um, and just pouring out her heart to I don't know how she did it because Mum's got a sense of smell, yeah, uh, and Mum loves to be clean, but she just I remember seeing her give herself to this woman. And cleaning her and hearing stories about that, um, and I remember seeing. I remember one of the big things I remember is you allowing me to have a relationship with a lad, a friendship with a lad, uh, from New Hope, uh, and you might have regrets in that, uh, in the way that you did that. But I was speaking to Hannah about this the other day. Um, there was a lad called Terry who came, yeah. and I remember him coming along and think he was addicted to alcohol. Uh, and I remember you allowing me to have a friendship with him to a certain limit. And there was a time where I had his phone number. And I remember texting and you would obviously look at the messages and allow him to send messages. And I remember him doing really, really well. You were saying he was doing well. He was going through the program and doing doing well. And I think this is the first experience of uh, that I look back on and seeing reality and seeing that um, sometimes people let you down. Mm. And I remember seeing, um, messaging him when I was in Scotland, when we went to see grandparents and texting him and him messaging me and then started to ring me when he was, he was drunk. He'd back, he'd not backslidden, but he'd, um, yeah, well, he hadn't be, well, he'd, he'd made a profession of faith. Yeah. He'd made a profession of faith. It, I'd been round and played. real. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'd been round and played football manager with him when you were there yeah. uh, and had developed a real friendship with this lad. Um, but. Yeah, but it's been sort of let down and seeing actually that, seeing that word again, reality. I think that's a really good way to put it, reality. And seeing that not everything in life is rosy and dandy and everything goes well, people let you down. Yeah. Um, and that's just an example of, of seeing that. But allowing us as kids to have compassion for these people as well and, and developing a love for them. I think some people can walk past people like that Um and be real judgmental towards them. I think it's, it's it's easy to feel like that. Yeah. But I think what you and God has allowed us to see is um to see that these people are just people and yeah. they need they need Christ. They need love just like everybody else. Yeah. I think that's what I really appreciate. Maybe that's just a ramble ramble going on. I think I think there's a there's a there's a thing that people say but for the grace of God go I. Yeah. And I think that the more we start to actually realize that Instead of just mouthing it, mm. um, the the better our Christianity, the better our churches will be. Mm. 
that we are actually um, realizing that all we have, all we are, is because of Christ, not because we think we're any better or because mm-hmm. we're not. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. So new hope, new ha- new hope, new hope came to an end. Uh. Sadly, but all things come to an end, I guess. Yeah. Um. And you moved back into the faith mission. Uh. And. Uh, you moved down to Devon when I went to uni. You left me, you ditched me, as I said earlier. Uh, but I think we've chatted before and you said that was a real time for you guys to have a rest because mm-hmm. there's times where you need a rest. Um, but during that time, you got ill a couple of times. You had a heart problem. Um, you, yeah, also fell off a tree and broke your leg. Not broke your leg and got compartment syndrome. You know, in your leg sorry for just telling people that but um you know you went through uh illness um after uh all of that stuff all that stuff with um new hope what was your sort of faith like after all of that after doing all this stuff for so many years to then be put down to devon and to not be as busy to not be involved in that ministry what was your faith like and your walk with god like in that stage when you got ill and um yeah all those sort of things happened to you well me me and your mum thought that we were ready uh, for a quiet life yeah and um, we thought that after new hope um and the busyness of that cause it was 24 hours a day seven days a week we thought oh, we're ready for that we're older now we, we we need a rest but we went down there and it was just more or less one thing after another with health um I was in a hospital. Um, they were telling me it was this and that and the next thing. And um, yeah, that was that was an interesting period of time. Um, but I, I remember watching your mum, and your mum was worried sick um, because I would I would suddenly just go grey. How she put it, you just go grey and you just lose all function. You would just sort of collapse. And I didn't see it. I just thought oh, I was just tired or something. And um, I remember going into hospital and sitting in the hospital beds and um, all sorts of weird things happening. But when we when we went up to where we are now, up to um, uh, oh, Harby, um, I was cutting a tree down and a tree fell on top of me. I didn't fall out of it. The, the tree fell on top of me. Um, and hurt my leg, really smashed into my leg. So the tree fell on top of my leg. Um, and I went to hospital and misdiagnosed. And then three or four days later, I was taken into hospital with compartment syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing then that I could lose my leg, I could lose my life. Um, and uh, it was it was pretty hairy, scary sort of things. But there were two things that happened. One one with my heart. I, I was uh, in um, A&E and then they put me into a resource. And it was like casualty. I was rushed in because the bells and everything were going off of me. All my stuff. And I was lying there and I was in and out of consciousness. And uh, the, the, the doctor came over. I really don't know what's happening. Mrs. Park, 
you might lose your husband. Mm. Just be prepared. And um, me and your mom looked at each other with a wee bit of a cry. And then I said to her, I said, now you know where the life insurance is, don't you? <laughs> And Typical I said, Scottish. I don't want you giving any money to those kids. <laughs> you go and buy a house and you look after yourself. And she was going nuts with me. And, uh, mm. But we prayed in front of everybody, in front of the nurses and doctors. And, and, and we prayed, and I prayed, <laughs> that I'd have a good death, <laughs> <laughs> that, that people, would, people around would see Christ in me. Yeah. Um, so that was one thing. Um, it was a bit scary. Um, but to be quite honest, I, if I'd gone, I'd gone. I, I I know that sounds like a bit blasé and oh really, but I, I was. And and then when my leg, when I did my leg, I was lying in the hospital, and um, I I prayed. I I I said, Lord, if there's anything that comes out of this, that I would I would want people to see Christ. Now I am not a hyper spiritual man. I'm not. An, I'm not that kind of guy. I'm, I'm really not. No, really not. <laughs> um, I, I'm probably very logical and very. Well, that comes sort of from the atheism, doesn't it? Yeah. So from back in the day. Yeah. Sort of trying to think logically yeah. and disregard everything else. To yeah. Think logically, this is the way. Yeah. 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 So which I is probably the way to think. Yeah. Logical thinking is very good. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't try and get them made up with my emotions or anything yeah. like that. I'm not. I can be emotional, but I'm. I, I can show emotion, but I'm not emotional. Yeah. Um. So I was lying in my bed praying. I just, Lord, just, just help me to be the best that I can and to be a witness in the hospital. And it was amazing the amount of people that came into my room. There was this uh, janitor came in, and he came in. And he said to me, he said, "I just want to pray for you." <laughs> uh, there was a doctor who came in, and she said, um, "She said, I'm, uh, I'm not quite sure what's going to happen to you. You, you might lose your leg." And uh, she, she went out the door, but let's touch wood. And I said, "Don't need to touch wood. Christ is the answer." And she looked at me. And she was, she must have thought I was off my head. She <laughs> said, "If God wants me to have my leg, I'll have my leg. If it doesn't, then it'll be gone, and God will help me through this." And all little little things like that. But I remember praying, uh, Alistair Patterson, who was my boss, said to me, uh, came and saw me, and, he, and he, he saw me, and he must have thought, this guy, he's not going to, his leg's not going to, mm-hmm. because it was twice the size. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I had said to him, I says, I'm, I'm resigning. I says, I'm useless now. I'm resigning, Alistair. And Alistair said, don't be silly. Let's see what, how things work. And don't be wor- don't be worrying about stuff. I said, I'm not quite sure. I think I'll be resigned. Anyway, he wouldn't accept that. And I said, I said, right. Um, I said, Lord, if I'm going to keep this leg, you're going to have to do something through the night, and my, my, my something, show me in the morning. And I got up in the morning and I looked down at my my leg. It wasn't moving, and and I said, Lord, you said I said, so am I going to lose my leg? I looked at my toe, my toe moved, mm-hmm. and I knew from then on, and I had peace, and that was it. I knew that God, it was, everything that I've ever gone through, I knew that God was in control, Yeah, and, and I believe that. It doesn't always come out how it should, or how I think it should, but I believe that, 
and I'm not, as I said, I'm not a, I'm not a everything will be fine kind of guy because I do worry about things. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that God is in control, mm-hmm. and I, I, I deeply hit hold that. Um, and whatever happens, happens. Mm. Doesn't mean to say I haven't got my fears. Doesn't mean to say I haven't got my my ups and downs. Doesn't mean to say I'm perfect. Doesn't mean to say everything does go perfect. Mm-hmm. I'm not one of these health and wealth guys. <laughs> I, I I realize that things because well, things don't go perfect. No, as you've experienced, as yeah. you know, and Absolutely. as life is. Absolutely. Mm. What would you say to those who would say, if as you would say back in the day, what would you say now to someone who said? If there was a God, all these things wouldn't be happening to me. I I would I would say that's proof that there is a God. Hmm. Because God says, God shows us in his word that there is there are things that we're going to go through just because we're Christians. Doesn't mean to say that you're going to have an easy ride. It means that you will have someone with you all the time through that ride. Hmm. And you might not feel him, but that's where you got to trust. And so all the things that happen in the world show us that there is a God because God says in his word, these things are going to happen. Mm. And the plan and the purpose that he has in those things. I don't know why certain things happen in my life. I still don't know. There are some things that I do. There are some things I don't. But I do know this. God has a plan and a purpose in everything that has happened in my life and everybody else's. Mm. Whether good or bad, he has a purpose and he will glorify his name through it no matter what mm-hmm. uh two two more things um you said something there that god puts people in your life at a time and a purpose um ha- your time at new hope always wasn't always plain sailing and smooth for lots of different reasons church politics um uh, life situations, stuff that goes on at New Hope. How much do you value God in putting people in your life or a certain person in your life to um, to help you in those situations? I'm talking about friendships. Um, how much do you value a good, solid friend, Christian friend in your life who can help you get through situations? Because yes, we might have our... Um, our partners, our husbands or wives or family members or whoever it may be. But, um, yeah, how much do you value Christian friendships in getting close with uh, someone to help you uh, walk um, through through life with? One of the things I did when I was went to, to Leeds um, is I identified a person that God had identified to us uh, that he was going to be a big player in our lives. Uh, and and that was because a lady had invited us and this particular man to a meal. And um, in that, that relationship grew. And I asked him to pray with me every Wednesday. And we prayed every Wednesday together for about 14 years. Um, the time that we met, probably longer than that, 15, 16 years. And and God brought him into our life, and he remained in our life until he died just recently. Um, so I have immense uh, immense privilege of having relationships that God has brought about. Mm. 
there are people that I would like to be friendly with. <laughs> you know, Alec Ferguson. Um, but but I'm not. But there are people who God brings into my life that have helped me. Hugo and Hazel. Mm. Uh, Terry and Muriel. Um, you know, Paul Hinton for a while. Alistair Patterson for the last seven, eight years in the mission. Uh, has, has been an absolute massive help to me. Mm. Huge help. He probably doesn't know the half. Um, but Simon, Simon Brunton, uh, was one of the guys who was an immense pleasure to be around, was an immense um, encouragement, blessing. He didn't often say a lot, but he was just there and he'd listen. Mm. So I think relationships are massive and I trust that I would be the same to people around me, that I would be the one who would maybe, uh, I'm terrible for yapping, but I would be one who would listen and one, one who would give good advice. Mm. Wonderful. Uh, last question then. Looking back on life, right, what is your biggest takeaway? What is the big takeaway? <laughs> What is your biggest take? Is it a Chinese? Is it a kebab? Is Indeed. it a KFC? Uh, what's your biggest sort of uh, lesson that you've learned throughout your life um, up to this point? Yeah, it's going to sound really spiritual, but it, the biggest lesson in my life has been that God is there all the time, mm-hmm. even when I don't think he is. Thank you.